You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Sex and relationship advice you can use tonight. Welcome to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. I'm your friendly neighborhood sexologist, Jessica O'Reilly, joined by my partner in life and in crime, Brandon Ware. Hey, everybody. I feel like I need a great tagline. You to, don't, to open with. You don't like Mr. Dr. Jess? No, it works too. Sometimes they call you uh, Lubricant Boy. Lube Boy. Yeah, you're a little more than that. Oh, we'll leave that for other people to determine. The one time I was down at Desire Resorts and Brandon was helping me out in a, in a session and uh, I joked that I had just found you at the airport. Do you remember that? And people believed you. I know. They're like, how did you get such a great one at the airport? I'm like, no, man, I've been with him for like 15 years. Anyhow, we digress. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about online infidelity and the gray area in which cheating online exists. Because in the past few weeks, I've heard from a number of couples, many, many couples actually, who are struggling with what they call online infidelity. But in every case, the partners in the relationship cannot agree on what's acceptable and what's cheating. So I got, I have a couple of notes I'm going to read you, and these are just a few of them. Uh, This person says, My husband is constantly texting his ex, and I say it's not okay. He says it's harmless and they're just friends. I say he can't be married to me if he's chatting with her on his messenger. I would agree with her. You're looking at me for, for my initial response. I, I, I would agree. Why is it that you are still communicating just friendly with your, uh, with your ex? And more importantly, if you are, how about you loop in your wife on that conversation or your partner? Okay. Okay. <laughs> I hear you, but can, they, can you not be friends with an ex? I'm not saying that you can't be friends with an ex. So I guess I'm looking for some sort of um, a way to resolve the situation. Would it be, what would you propose? Okay, first of all, I do think you can be friends with an ex. I don't happen to be friends with any of my exes. You, you don't, no. I don't think either. No, not really. But I mean, I would be friendly. There's no reason not to be, but I'm not. I'd be more like a neutral. Neutral. <laughs> no, so you can be friends with an ex. And so your suggestion, suggestion that he loop his wife in on those conversations, that seems pretty demanding because I have private conversations that you're not privy to what you're, you're entitled to see all of my conversations. No, I don't think that I, I I mean, that was a knee jerk response. You asked me for my candid, my (laughs) candid feedback. And there it was initially I would, my knee jerk response would be, well, you're clearly not going to loop me in, but here's the question. Would you be comfortable with me reading the content of that conversation? Right. So are you saying that every conversation you have, you'd be comfortable with my reading? Yeah, I would. Really? I, 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 you can completely read any of my text messages. Any, I don't want to. No, I know you don't want to. And I think that that's the, the differentiator is that there is a degree of trust. It's the same with me and your messages. I clearly never, I mean, I cannot, but I would never read your messages. But you, I feel like if you ever, if I ever asked you about something, if I was uncomfortable, you would show it to me. Would I? I don't know. Maybe you would. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Maybe this is a whole other podcast that we need to have right now. But I guess the question is, the conversation that you're having with that person, Mm -hmm. would you have that conversation or that text message exchange 
with your partner listening in. Yeah, I, that's a standard that I've heard many times. I think that's a really high standard to meet, um, to only behave as you would if your partner was in the room. I, I can see it as a, as a goal. I just think that many of us, like I can say for me, for example, that I probably do say and do things that at points in time would make you uncomfortable. Does that mean I'm, I'm going to leave you or that, oh God, we're having like a full conversation <laughs> on this right now. I, I, I'm just saying, I'm sure I've had conversations where you'd say, like, it seems like you're flirting. Because I, I think I am like, I'm a, I'm a flirtatious person with people of all genders. Um, even with people that like, people that I am not attracted to sexually, I tend to just be very, um, I don't want to say warm because it's more than that. Like, I'm very playful. Yeah, and I, I think that's something that I love about you. I, I guess at times we all feel insecure. I mean, I've been very open on these podcasts about how I feel, um, experiences that, I, that I've had both emotionally and physically. Uh, <laughs> I feel like at times I kind of get thrown into the fire with, hey, how about when this happened? And now everything is out in the open. But I think it's good. I I just would feel most comfortable with my partner if it was like, I don't need to read your message, but would you be comfortable if you if I had to read it? Hmm. Uh, yeah, no, I think I think that's a good standard. I don't know that I could always meet that standard. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's and, it, it is good, but I think maybe if that just resonates in the back of your mind when you are connecting with somebody, even if you're not going to show that message to your partner, if I were to think to myself, would I be comfortable showing this message to my partner? that might be a, a good way to approach your response or your interaction with that other person. And I don't think there's anything wrong at all with being partners with your ex. I don't. Friends I just, with your ex. Friends, I'm sorry. With your ex. I would just question what is the purpose of the email or the text exchange? And if push came to shove and your, your significant other, your partner did want to take a look at it or felt uncomfortable and wanted that reassurance that we've talked about before, would you be comfortable showing them that information. Yeah. I mean, again, I think you're being, being very pragmatic. I just don't know that everyone can always meet those standards because you can get things from other people that perhaps you don't get from your partner. Like what if it is a flirtation or a playfulness or a validation? And I know a lot of people would say, oh, Jess, you know, you're just treading on thin ice there and you're putting yourself in dangerous territory. But you know, I'm a believer that you need to do that in long-term relationships. Like you, if you want to keep it exciting and if you want to keep your life exciting, like you, you're an exciting man, Brendan. I like you a lot and I'm excited about you and I'm passionate about you, but I'm also passionate about other things and I get excited by other things and, and other people. So I think the bottom line is that I think your standard of, would you show this message to your partner? Um, I think it's, it's, it's a, it could be practical, but I also think that it may not be realistic for a lot of people for a number of reasons. And that's because monogamy means different things to different people. And I think you do have more of a traditionalist view of monogamy on the whole, perhaps, than I do. Yeah, I would agree. Um, I also think the fact that it makes your partner uncomfortable is not a sign in and of itself that your behavior is unacceptable. Uh, and that's kind of why I wanted to tackle this topic, because what is okay for me and you may not work for another couple. So like you might, I might be okay with you flirting with someone, but just because I'm okay with that doesn't mean that like our neighbors 
that that's their standard. So I think the problem is in all of this that we tend to take fidelity or infidelity and believe that our personal definitions are universal. And they're not. So you can feel however you feel. You're not right. You're not wrong. Uh, being in a relationship, we have to find <laughs> some sort of common ground. But isn't that what it kind of comes back to is having an understanding, the, the idea that you have to communicate with your partner and there's fluidity throughout the relationship, throughout the, you know, as your relationship grows, it's like what's okay today may not be okay in five months or five years uh, or may have been okay five months or five years ago. Yeah, I think that's true. And I think the real challenge is that we tend to take our own standards and apply them universally. Like if I say, I'm uncomfortable with that behavior, therefore you should not do it. That's not how relationships work. I don't get to draw a line in the sand and say you're on this side of the line or and that's it. Right. And that's, I think, where the problems arise. You cannot text your ex. It makes me uncomfortable for you to text my, your ex. I mean, those things, it's OK to say it makes you uncomfortable. But just because it makes you uncomfortable doesn't mean that your partner has to do everything to your standard. And I, I think a lot of people don't want to hear that. Um, do I want to do things that make you uncomfortable? No, but I also want my needs met whatever they may be. Now, I'm not saying I should necessarily be texting with, with my ex. I can think, I think your motivation matters. And I always kind of look at these standards of secrecy, right? Like if you need to keep it a secret, that's probably a sign that you're not just chatting, you're doing something that might border on cheating. But even that, I think is some gray area because maybe I keep it a secret because my partner's controlling. Maybe I keep it a secret because I don't know how to communicate. Like, it may not be that I want to be with this person or that I'm being emotionally unfaithful. But I think secrecy is the first thing to look for. And then the second is, if you start sharing more information with this person you're chatting with than you do with your partner, I think there's probably some degree of, there could be a degree of emotional infidelity, right? And then the third is, if you kind of get a high from that online chat, you know? But isn't that part of the excitement when you're first talking with somebody? Yeah, yeah, well, exactly. So if you've got secrecy, you get a high, you turn to them first in times that are high and low, um, like celebrations and struggles. Well, that's interesting, the emotional support component. Right, and, and I'm not, again, there's no standard because for some people, like, baby, you're my, you're my go-to person. Like, I don't have And a, you are mine. No, but like, I don't have a best friend that I turn to and tell everything. But I have friends who do have best friends who play a more emotionally intimate role. You just happen to be that person for me. Um, but other people do turn to a friend first. And what if that friend is somebody of the gender or genders that you're attracted to, right? Like I don't wanna say opposite sex because that's only for hetero people. It doesn't apply to everybody. Um, but I, I think that, you know, some of us do share more with our friends than with our intimate partner. And if that's the way your relationship works, so be it. So even when I come with these three standards of secrecy, sharing more info with this person and getting, an a, getting a high from that chat, even those aren't set in stone, are they? No, I would agree with you. It's interesting how this question really evolved into something a lot deeper than I thought it was going to be. But for me, it all boils back down to communicating with your partner. Um, maybe like you had said, conveying to them what it is you're hoping to get out of other relationships and yes. not necessarily, uh, not being judgmental of what that is. Like, 
you saying to me now, the flirtatious component is something that you're not overly flirtatious, but there is some flirtation that exists. And I have to be okay with you not needing validation, but enjoying the, the, the dance, if you will, a little bit at times. Well, you don't have to be okay with it. No, I don't have to be okay <laughs> with it. But also understanding that you're not, it doesn't necessarily mean that I'm falling short in any way. It's just something that, uh, that, that you enjoy or that you take pleasure in. Well, actually, you just hit the nail on the head. Our response... I did, really. I'm surprised right now that I did. <laughs> I think our response to our partner's behavior in a case like this um, is born from fear. We're either afraid we're going to lose them or we're afraid that we're not fulfilling a specific need that they need fulfilled or that we feel a responsibility to fulfill. And I think that's where a lot of us trip up is that we believe that one partner can fulfill all of our needs. So essentially, this is Brandon Ware... In, in a nutshell, what she's <laughs> saying is Brandon Ware is afraid. And I agree wholeheartedly. No, that, I don't no, no, just no. And I'm not, I'm not being, I don't feel be, like I'm criticized. I think that a lot of my actions are born from a, like within this relationship, do come from a, uh, a fear of losing it. I value it so much that I'm afraid that this could mean something else or something bigger. And then it manifests itself into something that it's probably not. When really what you're, what you're doing is you're you're taking an enjoyment out of that um, you know that simple flirtation or that or or whatever it is that really isn't anything. Yeah, and I, I it's I use the word flirtation. It's not that I'm chatting with anyone in a flirtatious way. I mean, if you any of you follow me on Instagram, you know it's mostly just <laughs> if there is anything flirtatious, it's not flirtatious. I get harassed and I shut people down. That's the truth. Yeah, like you a lot get of women online. A lot. Wow. Yeah, you know, like I actually and this is a I digress, but. This guy kept writing nice boobs on all of my photos. Nice boobs, nice boobs, nice boobs. My boobs weren't even showing. How do you know they're nice? Anyhow, uh, <laughs> don't look at me like that. Um, but I, I got sick of it. I started ignoring it. I was deleting it. And then I said, I, I typed something to him. I said something along the lines of, you notice that I'm not responding to your nice boobs comment. I'm taking the time to write posts that I think are meaningful and helpful here and I don't like being reduced to my breasts I don't want to be objectified period and I can feel sexy without wanting to be sexualized into an object and when you write nice boobs it makes me feel as though you're reducing me to just my breasts and my breasts aren't really a part of my the work that I do like they're there but they're a part of who you are right just like my toes oh there is the guy who always yeah, asks for pictures of my feet <laughs> I think I would definitely sell pictures of my feet for the right price. <laughs> um, I, I don't know how exactly I got there, but I, I guess I was just thinking about being harassed online and I get pretty sick of it uh, because I, I put a lot of work into my posts, into my brand, and it's not so that somebody can say nice boobs. I mean, I'm, if you notice boobs, that's fine. You, you have a right to notice boobs, but it doesn't make me feel good. And to me, the measure of a compliment is the outcome. How does that supposed compliment make someone feel? And it doesn't make me feel, I don't feel flattered when someone says nice boobs. I'm not saying in the right context that I don't, but just some random person writing on Instagram on a post where you can't even see my boobs, nice boobs, isn't something that feels good. And so you can say it's a compliment, but to me, it's not a compliment. And I totally digress. So I want to take it back to online infidelity. Um, and one thing we know is that online infidelity is growing and the data is difficult to collect. I've read some studies suggesting that a third of us have cheated online 
and other research suggests that the numbers are even higher. And anecdotally, here's what I've observed. Even if you're not cheating, your online interactions with other people cause friction in almost every single relationship because online interactions are accessible, they feel safe. You can be someone that you're not in real life, right? If you're really shy and would never approach someone in in person, you can have the confidence to do it online. And the one thing we know for sure about online cheating is that no one can agree on a definition. And like I, I talked to a woman, she wrote, she posted like a, a kissy face on a guy's photo and it upset her husband. Um, and she thought it was okay because she's straight and the guy was gay and it still upset her husband. And so does that mean she should never do it again? I don't know, right? I think what it what it means is that you need to have a conversation about what makes you feel good and what doesn't make you feel good. And I don't think you, again, I don't think you have to adjust your behavior to make your partner 100% comfortable. I think that's an absurd standard. Having said that, I want to take your comfort in mind. Into consideration. Exactly. I want to consider your comfort. So I, I thought I'd read you a couple of more of these notes. This person says, I just found out my boyfriend messages other girls online. He likes their photos and sends them private messages over Instagram. Some of them disappear, so I can't see them. To be honest, I broke into his phone, and this is how I found out. He says he has a right to his own private property, but I don't want him messaging these girls online. Let me just read the other one before you chime in. This one says, my wife is constantly online, and she's reconnected with friends from her high school. She grew up in a small town including two of her ex-boyfriends. I know it's long in the past, but I'm still not comfortable because she seems more excited by her phone than by me lately. So let's go back to number one. Mm-hmm. She broke into his phone? Mm-hmm. Wow, that's some intense stuff. Would she, like, uh, thumbprint late at night on the phone? He oh, was my asleep. God. I know somebody who's done that. <laughs> she wanted to get into his phone, and yeah. she waited till he passed out. Some Mission Impossible stuff, right? And then she used his thumb to get into the phone. I don't know, that right off the bat kind of concerns me because I'm thinking to myself, how much do they trust each other given that one person is doing one thing and the other person breaks into the phone? It's like tit for tat. Yeah, babe, you, that's a really good point that sometimes these issues are signs of other stuff. Like it's not actually about the online cheating. In this case, it sounds exactly as you called it, like a lack of trust in the relationship. Mic drop. I'm going to walk away right now. Yeah, and I Two for two I am on these questions. This is a very, very young person in a shorter term relationship, I believe, just based on what I've seen. Um, As for the... So I think you want to work on trust. And if you're not feeling trust, um, if you don't trust your partner, maybe you want to revisit things you can do to build trust together. And I don't think that breaking into their phone is a way to cultivate trust. I do think some people think that controlling their partner's behavior will lead to fidelity and trust when, in fact, it erodes it. Yeah, I can't see how breaking into one person's phone will make you feel any better. I mean, I don't even, I wouldn't know where to start other than the communication and the trust component there. Like that, some exercises that would likely be needed just to, to solidify the, the, the trust between each other before you can even start tackling some of the other issues. Yes, and I think that if, the, if he's sending private messages that, you know, seem flirtatious or intimate or sexual, um, 
you got to ask him why, right? I always think the question is why, right? The two questions. It's a fair question. Yeah. Why, why do you do this? And then how does it make you feel to do this? And if if you can get to those two questions, instead of yelling at each other and getting mad and accusing and, you know, making excuses and defending and lashing out, if you can just go to the why and how does it make you feel, those are totally different conversations. And for the person who's the, the receiver of those questions to not, or to respond from a, a place of care, like I would think before, I mean, my inclination would be to probably get on the offense if somebody were to challenge me about a question like that, where as I need to understand that I care about this person, you know, it's they feel vulnerable, they feel upset, and I need to respond accordingly. I need to respond with assurance and making them feel better about this because ultimately if I care about this person that's what I want to do right and and again I think everybody's going to say well if he's messaging other girls if he's sending sexy messages he's cheating but what you have to remember is that that's your standard maybe that he doesn't want to be in a monogamous relationship where he's not allowed to do these things and so then maybe it's a compatibility issue right it's sort of like when people come and say oh I want to swing and my partner doesn't well, you have to decide, <laughs> do you guys really belong together? Because if you want to be in a non-monogamous relationship, and that's a more obvious one because you're actually, you know, having physical sex with someone else. But the same applies to the digital world. And this gray area exists in digital affairs because chatting online is something we do every day. In the flesh, affairs are different. You don't go to a motel room with your friends and families and coworkers every day but you do chat with them online. So it's something you're already doing, but you're just taking it to another level, either emotionally or sexually. Like I think a lot of people, for instance, if I were to go have like cyber sex with somebody um, and you and I had an agreement that I should not do that, I think that would be a more obvious thing, right? Where we might say like, okay, that violates what we agreed to. Um, Cause I had, you know, explicit, cyber sex or video sex or something it might be more obvious for us but it's it's the gray area that's causing all these problems and i think the problem begins and ends because we don't define what's allowed and what works for us and also because we expect to set standards and say nope i'm not okay with that you don't get again you don't get to be the arbiter of what's right and wrong you guys have to come to an agreement well isn't a lot of this born from the fact that we get into relationships without having meaningful conversations because we're trying to be the person that we think the other person wants us to be when we're first getting started yeah that's so true we fake it like we pretend that we're cool with stuff that we're not yeah you're 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 the cool guy you're the cool cool girl because you want to be loved or cared for or with that person as opposed to being real and i'm not saying you need to start dropping major things from day one but perhaps when the opportunity arises at the beginning or even 10 years into a relationship you at least have to have those difficult conversations the difficult ones are the hardest ones well clearly they're the hardest conversations to have but as you've mentioned before and you know the focal point of a lot of what you're talking about is how it results in more meaningful relationships it it actually it makes the relationship so much better and in today's digital world, I can see how all of navigating through these online messages and texts and what's cheating and what's not, people can get frustrated. But for me, it kind of goes back to the idea. And and again, it's not that I need to show you my messages, but it's like, if I, if you were uncomfortable, would I be comfortable showing you? And again, I know that you're not going to ask me that, but it is something that just sticks in the back of my mind. If, 
you were to ask me, and this is my standard, so maybe this is how I judge things, but it's like if I had to, if you were feeling uncomfortable, would I be comfortable showing you this message to give you the assurance? And you know what? You're never, you've even said this. You're like, I, ne I never want to see your messages. But yeah. It's still, but it's still, for me, that sticks with me. I can access your messages anytime I want. Like I have your passwords. Yeah, you have all my passwords. But here's my standard. If I ever wanted to check your messages, it tells me that I need to have a conversation with you. Yeah. Right? Rather than running and looking to see who's been messaging you. Wow. Yeah, that's a great Right? Because you're, you're in touch with a bunch of your high school friends all of a sudden, right? Like this person here. Um, and a lot of girls, a lot of women. And I think that if something made me uncomfortable, like honestly nothing has made me uncomfortable. Um, not nothing, but in this case, like it's not like any of those people have made me uncomfortable. But if I did feel uncomfortable, rather than going and reading your Facebook messages... I should come to you and say, listen, babe, I'm feeling insecure or I didn't like the way that person dismissed me or, and this, again, this hasn't happened. Like they've all been cool. <laughs> yeah, we did. Um, we, I reconnected recently with some people from junior school. Oh, junior school. Sorry. Um, and I had a great time. We went out the other night and there were singles and couples and a whole group of people. And, you know, you were certainly invited to come. Unfortunately, you couldn't make it. A, but it was, uh, I could see how that could be interpreted differently. Now, again, you didn't, you didn't express any discomfort, but I could see how if that kind of continued into regular meetings or something with that same group, you might feel a certain way. Well, and it's interesting because one thing Brendan has always done from the beginning of our relationship, from day one, you have always included me in everything. Like, like when I asked you the other night, cause they all, so just to give you a bit of context, he reconnected with his junior school friends and they were going ax throwing. Two and I won, ago. just thought I'd throw that in there. <laughs> well, I'll, that's cool. Cause winning's the only thing that matters. Second place, a first loser. <laughs> so, uh, so he had invited me and I, I kind of didn't want to go cause I had a, an ultimate Frisbee game that I was going to, but I was like, do you want me to come here? And he, you, you literally looked at me and you're like, I always want you to come babe. And that type of inclusion in all of your relationships, even though I opted out, like I haven't met most of those people, the fact that you always make me feel included makes it so much easier for me. So remember that there's always two sides to the equation. Like if I'm feeling a certain way, it has to do with me, but it also has to do with how you act. And let me tell you how inclusive Brandon is with me. Let me tell you a story. So uh, we had been dating just a couple of weeks and Brandon's friends were going on a trip on a bus to Montreal. This is 17 years ago. So they take a bus from Mon from Toronto to Montreal. I mean, it was a nice bus. It was a great coach bus. Oh, come on. To so they And they're staying like four or five in a room. Um, <laughs> and they're going to watch a hockey game. And I think you're, you're kind of going to like the strip clubs in Montreal. Yep. And I, I get there. And it's it's just all dudes. There's two buses. Those are all my buddies. Of dudes. Why and, wouldn't you come? Well, and I do really like hockey and I do like super sex, <laughs> which is a great strip club in Montreal. But yeah, so he included me. And then all of their girlfriends were mad because for some reason one, one of us, this is the problem with the gender binary folks. But anyhow, I went on this guy's trip and I was having so much fun. I, I'm a big hockey fan. Uh, the Leafs were playing the Habs. It was super loud. It was really fun. It was a lot of drinking, which I was into. And then... That was a fun trip, man. But then... Greg took a dump. Oh, you're calling him out. Greg took a dump. Oh, I'm not going to say his last name. But Greg took a dump, and it was in the shape of a G. 
So everybody clearly had to take a look at it, so, which in itself is disgusting. But it's like, look what I did. They called us all in, and I didn't want to look, but I couldn't not look. And it really was a poop in the uh, shape of a G. I'm actually vomiting a little in my mouth remembering it. And that's it was where, impressive, but really gross. That's where I drew the line. I was like, I love that you're so inclusive of me, but can <laughs> hey man, you... you're in for everything. Can you... you don't get to exclude yourself from the things that you don't want to. Actually, it's consent first, and I opt out of poop, look, poop watching. You know, when you started this story, you were saying from day one, there's something that you've always done. And I thought you were going to say that in the 17 years that we've been living together, that I haven't passed gas in front of you. Let me tell you, it's been a painful 17 years. Oh, that's a whole other story. <laughs> I, I'm not sure um, when Brandon and I get together, we just chat and chat. But yeah, I forget that we're recording this and telling everybody about... Just reminiscing just about... Just reminiscing poop stories. The big G... Poop. So it was really in the shape of a G. It went all the way around the toilet bowl and had, oh, it was an uppercase G, by the way. Not a lowercase G. Isn't that from a song? Ever since I was on a lowercase G. It was an uppercase G and it wrapped right around. And that's when I was like, oh, babe, you can stop including me now. But I, I do think there's something really valuable about making your partner feel wanted and included in your friendships. And it doesn't mean that they have to be close friends with all of your friends. But if you do have friends and you want to segregate your friends from your partner, I always think you want to be mindful of why that is, right? So like if, if you were getting back together with all of your junior school friends and you never wanted me to come and you wanted it to be, now you don't have to take me everywhere. You just have to take me to look at Greg's poop. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that, you know, this guy says his wife is constantly online and she's, connected back with her two high school boyfriends, and he's feeling left out. And I think he says at the end, she seems more excited by her phone than by me. And that's what you want to look at. The feeling of, I don't feel like I'm exciting enough, and have that conversation. If you just go at her and, you know, accuse her of flirting with ex-boyfriends or get mad at her because she's back in touch with them, you're not going to have a good conversation that, you know, produces results. But if you can say, I love you, I'd perhaps love to meet some of these old friends someday, I do feel a little nervous because it seems like you're more excited to see them than me. I get it. It's like nostalgic. I fully understand. I'm not saying you're doing anything wrong necessarily. This is just how I feel. I yeah, think she's going to be. Is, is the is the one that resonates the most with me. You're more excited by your phone than by me. Right, yeah. and I think we've all felt that way. Like we fight about our phones sometimes. We absolutely fight about technology in our phones. Yeah, I do this thing where I'm on my phone, on my phone, on my phone. Then I get off my phone, and then I turn to him and I'm like, "Get off your phone, babe." <laughs> And yep, he's glad that we got that out there. No, and then you'll be like, babe, you just put Literally your phone just down. just put your phone down. Yeah. And because you're off your phone, I have to be off my phone. Right. And so I do this thing where I think I get to set the standard and it's absurd and I have to catch myself. So if, if we take it back to online cheating, um, the bottom line is that you define what it is. And if you could just talk about how you feel instead of what they're doing, I think you're going to get a little bit farther. If you're worried about yourself, like if you're wondering if your behavior is okay, um, the fact that you're wondering probably means that it's, whether it's okay or not, objectively I'm not going to say, but it's probably causing distress in the relationship, especially if you're being secretive, especially if you find yourself turning to this online person before you turn to your partner, and especially if you're getting some sort of a high from that chat. 
I'm not saying you can't enjoy those things. Like I get a high from new things all the time. That's just the way I am, right? I like new things. Um, I, I remember the this line from Mad Men. She says, I hope she knows that you only like the beginning of things when he breaks up one, with one of the women for another woman. And I think that reminds me of myself. I do like the beginning of things more than I like the long-term commitment. And I don't mean that necessarily only applies to this relationship, but I like new and shiny things and I like excitement and I like the unknown. And so we have to find ways to cultivate that together. Um, And then sometimes there are outside sources. Like for me, work is a big part of the risk that I need, right? Like I do a lot of things that are kind of um, scary, just like the travel, right? Going places, getting on stage. Anytime you get on stage, you never know if you're going to land it or bomb it. And so I get a lot of that thrill from other sources. But when I'm not getting that, we have to figure out a way to meet those needs. So if, if, if your partner is chatting online or if you're chatting online and if it's a source of distress in the relationship and, you know, if, if you can talk to a counselor, especially an open-minded counselor who understands that there's no one-size-fits-all approach to relationships, that's where you can begin. And if you don't have that, I do hope you can have like a, a conversation with your partner where you talk about what emotional need is being met by this chatting. But that takes some, I think, some maturity. Absolutely, it does. And I think having the conversation, though, and understanding, if I understand that you need new and shiny things every now and then, then I can also modify maybe the activities or the behavior that I have to give you some of those things. Yeah. Like I can say, you know, you need a bit of thrill. You need that excitement. We've been together for 17, over 17 years. How can I help you get what it is you need? Right. And if I can't, then let's have a conversation about it. Right. And I mean, the bottom line for me, and this doesn't necessarily apply to all of you, but if you were to flirt with someone else or be turned on by someone else, or if I were to do the same, it's not going to impact our relationship in a negative way because we're just, we're together, man. Like I'm committed to you for life. I think you're the greatest person I've ever come across. I can't imagine anything Anyone as kind and funny and compassionate and giving and beautiful and like fun as you. I'm committed to you. So if in a moment I'm excited by something someone says to me, I know that it pales in comparison to what we've built together over these last, as you said, 17 years, right? So in the end, I just want to be with you. And so maybe I can have that mild flirtation for a moment or maybe it's a bit of a deal breaker for you and I know it hurts you too much and I don't want to hurt you so I can let it go and it's not hard and fast where it's going to be the same in every single scenario does that make sense it definitely makes sense but I think some people might struggle with that where they're like you know we've been together for 10 5 whatever 15 25 years and you might feel that way I don't necessarily feel the exact same way about my partner But I think that if you go back and and everybody has to start, we have to start somewhere and you have to start with, uh, you know, maybe you don't feel quite the same way that you did 15 or 20 years ago, but can you start by having those conversations, those exercises that you've encouraged people to do before that reignite that flame, that connection with people. It's, we went out for dinner and we had those, you know, those, we have these questions that we ask one another that are, are, are like the 36 questions, Mm -hmm. like it's so interesting to revisit those questions today and how different they were five years ago 
and and to and you know you start falling in love with that person all over again you start reconnecting with them and it feels good so if you're listening to this and i think you know maybe not everybody feels that way quite as uh, you know as passionately as i do for you or as you do for me you you have to start somewhere and i think starting starting with questions like understand your partner start falling in love with them again so that you can ramp it up so that you can work on your relationship because i think people give up too easily i do yeah. i think people quit it's too easy to quit that's the other and thing with with you relationships our, are hard man our whole relationship you've always been like no matter what happened no matter what we were fighting about you've always expressed to me that you're committed to this that you're in this and that's a that's a big thing like it makes me feel very safe and when i feel safe that's when i can be vulnerable deep down right. i want this to work for the rest of my life. There's nothing I want more than for one thing to last until I kick the bucket and it's this relationship. And I, and yeah, sometimes you're frustrated and you want to, you just want to say, screw it. But I do. I remember that, man, things get really hard sometimes and you just have to, you have to keep pushing. Yeah. And I mean, I know we, we kind of moved away from this, um, this online infidelity topic a little bit, but hopefully there's some, you know, usable advice or insights in it for yeah. you. Particularly and, Greg's comment. Oh, God. Do not poop in a G, <laughs> guys. Um, wh- one thing I do want to say is if you know you're cheating online and you've decided that you want to stop, because we've all kind of gotten into situations and you can get out, you need to cut it off. Like, you need to stop talking to that person. We, you know, actually, you might have to block somebody, Right. Like, yeah, like it, for sure it happens um, where you just have to cut yourself off. So if you've decided that something is not working for you and your behavior or your interactions or your online relationship is interfering in your primary relationship in a way that's causing real distress, um, don't think that you can teeter it off. Like you have to cut it off. That, I, I, I do believe like you have to cut it off. You can tell the person, listen, I'm reinvesting in my relationship. Um and so I'm going to be going offline and you don't, it's not like you can't worry about their feelings as much as you worry about your own and your partners. Yeah, you don't, I don't know that you have to go offline, but you, you have to block those people or yeah. that person. I do think that that's, again, like I know no one size fits all, but I do think that if you've decided this is over, this online chat, whatever it was, um, and you don't want it to escalate, there has to be blocking. So I think we're going to stop there. I hope... Once again, divulged a lot more than I thought it was going to. What? It wasn't about you. It was about the G-poop. It was good times. (laughs) Bye-bye all. So I'm going to say thank you to you for listening. Thank you so much, baby, for being here. It's always fun. Yeah. Brandon gets zero background before he comes on. That way it's real. Yeah. And uh, thank you to Desire Resorts for their support of this podcast. Check them out at Desire Resorts. Brandon and I will be down at Desire Resorts in Mexico in October. You can check out the event calendar for that. And uh, check out Happier Couples, which is coming soon. We'll tease to that. Yeah, I'm excited. All right. It's going to be great. Yeah, thanks, baby. Thank you. Have a great week, folks. You're listening to the Sex with Dr. Jess podcast. Improve your sex life. Improve your life.